0: Well, as you recall, a few weeks ago, I began a new series, a series I'm calling The Fruit of Transformation. And today I'm going to add yet another message to this series as I minister for a little while through a message I'm calling Faith, Hope, and Love, the Fruit of the Gospel. When we think about the word gospel, of course, we know it means good message, or we always say good news. The gospel means the good message. It means the good news. Now, I don't usually take the liberty to speak for other people. I usually say I'm just going to speak for myself. But I think this is one of those rare occasions where I believe I can speak for you when I say everybody loves good news, right? (laughs) Does everybody love good news? We love good reports. We love good news. And the one thing that I have discovered over the years, and it continues to grow in my heart, that when the true gospel of grace and peace is preached, Now, notice I use the word true gospel, because you can call the gospel anything you want, you can call anything the gospel, but that doesn't make it the gospel. The gospel are things like, it is finished. The gospel is, once his, always his. That's the gospel. The gospel is, nothing can take you out of my hands. That's the true gospel. The gospel is, there is therefore now no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. That's the true gospel. And the one thing that I have seen over the years, when the true gospel is preached, the gospel of grace and peace, what it does is it releases this transforming power, the power, if you will, that awakens faith, hope, and love, the fruit of the gospel. It wakes it up because true to God's word, he has deposited on the inside of every man the measure of faith. You have all the faith inside of you that you will ever need, believe me. You don't need any more faith. Sometimes we just need to wake up that faith. You have all the hope on the inside of you. All we need to do is just wake up to the reality that it's there. And the same thing with daddy's love. Daddy didn't give you a percentage of his love. Daddy gave you all of his love. My point is, is this is what the gospel, the true gospel does. It awakens us to the realities of our faith and hope and the love of the Father. The most prominent evidence that a believer is being transformed by the gospel are the increased expressions of faith, hope, and love. In other words, we understand that all of these virtues are on the inside of man. Faith, hope, love, stirring inside of me right now. and. As this gospel of grace begins to transform me, you, us, we, whatever it may be, it begins to come up and out. It doesn't just stay resident in here. It wants to find its way out. And how does it come out? It comes out through words. It comes out through a touch. It comes out through gentle expressions of faith and hope and love. There are a lot of things that man likes to hide things that we like to suppress, things that we like to camouflage, if you will. But we cannot hide faith, hope, and love. We cannot hide them forever. Trying to hide faith, hope, and love is like trying to hide a nine-month pregnant woman at a beach. (laughs) Just, it's pretty hard to do, isn't it? How many of you know that the deeper you get into the pregnancy, the more revealing it becomes? Is that true? I mean, you might be able to hide a nine-week pregnancy at a beach, but you're not going to hide a nine-month pregnancy at the beach, friends. And so it is with faith, hope, and love. The deeper the revelation becomes, the harder it is to hide. I don't know who would want to hide it in the first place, but I'm telling you, the more supernatural these things will bubble up and out of you, the deeper the revelation becomes of the faith that he's given you, the hope that he's put inside of our hearts, and especially his love these are amazing virtues. Faith, hope, and love are like identical triplets in that they are from the same family, yet they are individual. I want you to take a look at three sets of triplets here. Now look, I've traveled the world around, and I've been in business for a long time, and I've met a lot of twins, and I know some triplets too, but I have never known a set of identical triplets. Your brain just goes, what? I mean, we don't even see twins that often, but when you see identical triplets, you go, wow. And so there's probably a good chance that most people in this room, if not all, have never encountered, never met a set of identical triplets. They're very, very rare. And when we think about faith, hope, and love, even though these attributes, these virtues are resident on the inside of us, it's rare to see them in action at all times. In other words, There are times where you can tell a person is walking in deep, deep faith. You just listen to the words coming up out of the person, and you can say, that is a man, that is a woman of faith. You can hear hope coming out of people, and you can certainly see love being expressed. Faith, hope, and love are like a three-stranded cord. It is a cord that is not easily broken. Now, I'm going to say something to you that's got a little bit of shock value to it, but this is the truth. A man is not saved by his love for God. (laughs) Religious people won't like that. (laughs) They'll say, wait a minute now. Listen, you're not saved by your love for God and you're not kept saved by your love for God. You are saved because of God's love for you. The belief that you are saved by your love for God might fit into your spiritual crossword puzzle, but it's not biblical. In fact, We are not even saved by our hope in God. See, religious people won't like that one either. See, many religions have hope. Many religions have faith. But it's a wishing bone hope. It's not an it is done hope. You just got to spin that first letter around. Bone, done, bone, done. (laughs) See how that works? Man is saved by placing his faith In Jesus Christ, the scriptures tell us, for by grace are you saved through faith. Come on, that's what it says. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What is? Salvation is the gift of God. Jesus is the gift of God. Grace is the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. You might as well just get your lawnmower out and just mow that right over, friends. If you think you're going to be saved any other way, you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, faith is believing the word of God regardless of what your feelings and emotions tell you. Let me say it again. Faith is believing the word of God regardless of what your feelings and your emotions tell you. Faith is trusting in God regardless of the smoke signals that your five senses are sending up to you. You see, let me tell you something about your five senses. Your five senses will throw their own little pity party and forget to send the real you an invitation. You see, because if the real you shows up, I mean, that's the Jesus you. That's the spirit man you. The pity party won't like that. You my mother used to always say, misery loves company. And friends, I found in my Christian walk, there have been times where I I have felt a pity party coming on. And I have specifically heard the Holy Spirit say, no pity party. But this is the kind of things that our feelings will do, our emotions will do, if we allow them to, is what I'm getting at. You see, the real you is who you are in Christ. You say, what are you talking about, Mark? What do you mean the real you is who you are in Christ? Well, you are three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. And so often we get our identity in a sense from our soul man, our mind, our will, and our emotions. No, that's not who I am. This is who I am. I'm like Christ, spirit man, wrapped around a body, functioning out of a soul, and sometimes. You see, when the real you shows up at the pity party, it just spoils the whole party. It's like a fly in the ointment, it's just over with. You ever do that one time? Get around? people that are just being real negative and then you come in real positive? They just want to end everything right there. They were having fun till you showed up with positivity. It works the other way around too. Find a bunch of positive people, let one negative person walk in. It works that way too. That is, unless you draw them into you, unless you draw them into the spirit realm, and then it can be different. Faith is resting in God apart from how much noise your body makes. Come on, somebody talk to me about these bodies, okay? Your body ever talk to you? Does your body ever make noise? (laughs) The body will say, you know, I've been sitting too long. I I feel a little rough. I ate too much, I feel a little rough. You get up in the morning, those first few steps, maybe a little creaky or something, you know? I feel a little rough. (laughs) Come on now, come on now. Listen, I'm just going by what I've heard. (laughs) I'm just going by what I've heard. Amen. You know what? I'm 60 years old. I'm in pretty good shape. I don't have a lot of those issues going on, to be honest with you. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, But your body will talk to you. It wants to carry on a conversation with you. And faith is resting in God apart from how much noise your body makes. Faith is tenacious. Faith is the victory, the Bible says, that overcomes the world. Faith is counted for righteousness. Let me tell you something about mature faith. Mature faith does not have to see substance in order to have hope. It doesn't have to see with its eyes to have hope. Faith is the substance. And hope, listen, hope is faith in its future tense. Hope is just faith in its future tense. You know, light moves at 186,000 miles a second. (laughs) Are you kidding me? 186,000 miles a second. So when that light beam comes on, how many million bazillions of miles away? I'm telling you, it's producing something out in the future that it's already caught up with. Hope is faith in its future tense. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we find these words. I love that first word right there, now. Do you see that? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not yesterday's faith, not borrowed faith, not leftover faith, not tomorrow's faith, now faith. Friends, I'm telling you, the kingdom we live in, yes, grace is what brought us into it, but it operates by faith faith, hope, and love. This is the kingdom we're in right now, faith, hope, and love. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Man is saved, man is healed, man is delivered, man is made whole by placing his faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Faith in Jesus to shed blood on the cross, faith in the power of Jesus to forgive him of all of his sins and to cleanse him of all unrighteousness. I'm talking about a faith that takes hold of the words of Jesus. When Jesus has spoken him, when the word has declared it, this is the kind of faith we reach out and we say, I take hold of that word. The word is what transforms us, friend. If faith is where the transformation process begins, then it stands to reason that we need the words of Christ, doesn't it? If faith is where the process begins, and we know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the words of Christ, then we need the words of Christ. It's faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, but this love for God and the love for humanity begins with faith. Friends, we need the faith of a skydiver. (laughs) You see, once a skydiver falls out of the plane, He's already conceded in his mind there's no turning back. Isn't that awesome? Skydiving faith. I ain't never seen anybody yet yank back in the plane after they've been falling for a little while. Have you? It ain't going to happen. Isn't that awesome faith, though, when you think about it? When there's no reserve, God said it, he meant it, I'm here to represent it, you fall, you step out in faith, and there's no going back, there's no looking back. Now, along that journey, you may waver a little bit and may go, okay, daddy, well, what's going on here? Where are we going? I heard about a guy the other day, went out of a plane with a couple of other guys just to film him or something and forgot that he didn't have a parachute on. I mean, are you kidding me? Come on, friends, I ain't got that much faith. I'm going to be honest with you that I'm just going to hit the ground like a little bouncy house is going to be down there, and I'm going to bounce back up again. No, no, I'm not talking about stupid faith. I'm talking about now faith. Faith is now. Now faith. We need the faith of a skydiver, don't we? Amen? We see an example of faith, hope, and love that's woven into the narrative of the encounter of Nicodemus and Jesus. I know I've been down this road before, but I'm going to give you a little bit different twist this morning. The scriptures do not tell us why Nicodemus came to Jesus. Maybe it really was that he wanted to have this quiet, uninterrupted conversation at midnight. Everything had been settled down, and he wanted to go and talk with Jesus. That's plausible. Okay, I'll give you that. Maybe it's because... Just before that, just a couple of scriptures before that, Jesus has come into the temple and he sees them selling doves and pigeons and cattle and sheep. He gets a little ticked off, if you will. Come on. Uh, He gets a little upset about this because this is daddy's house. He makes a cord and he starts turning over tables and the money changers and scattering the animals out. And the Pharisees are standing there watching him do that. You think maybe Nicodemus wanted to talk to him about that? How about when Jesus, right when he was done with that, said, hey, you know what? Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. (laughs) That's a talking point for Nicodemus, isn't it? (laughs) That's a real good talking point for Nicodemus. Maybe it was that. Maybe he's just there to yank the slack out of Jesus for the way he's been behaving. Perhaps he was intrigued by the miracles that he saw Jesus doing within the city. Whatever it was, all of those things were working together to motivate Nicodemus to come and meet with Jesus. Could have been all of those things. And during that encounter, Jesus had it in his heart to reveal something to Nicodemus. Nicodemus had never seen, never known up close and personal. And that was the love of God. Jesus had it in his heart, said, Nicodemus, we're going to have to chat for a couple of minutes, but ultimately I'm working you towards showing you my father's love. That's John 3:16. you know. Jesus had it in his heart to show Nicodemus daddy's love, but there was one problem, and that is that Nicodemus' faith, hope, and love had been burglarized by misdirected zeal. Was Nicodemus enthusiastic? Yes. Was he passionate about what he did? Of course. But Nicodemus did not have the faith to understand that Jesus could make a man right a part of from keeping Jewish laws and customs. He could never have known that. How would he have ever known that? He has known one system, and that's the Jewish code. That's all he's known. He's only known the old covenant. There is no new covenant yet, right? So let's not throw him under the bus. This is all he's ever known. But here's opportunity. You're standing in front of Jesus, the Father's Son. And remember, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How many of you know that you should always primer before you paint? Come on. (laughs) <laughs> you ever paint? And that's what Jesus did. Jesus was running the primer of truths and graces over Nicodemus's heart so that he could cover the old stubborn and obnoxious stains of the Old covenant, all that legalism. And so Jesus skillfully quickens faith and hope in the heart of Nicodemus so that when he releases the love of John 3:16, it will adhere to Nicodemus's heart. Friends, I want you to know something. Sometimes we think we've missed opportunities when we're ministering to people, when we're witnessing to people, whatever it may be. We think that we've missed opportunities and we beat ourselves up a little bit and go, man, I should have said that. I should have done that. How many of you know sometimes it's just primer first, okay? <laughs> just, I'm just priming you with all the little things that the Father's given me. So that when I bring the love of God to you, it has something to adhere to. It has something to stick to. And that's what Jesus wanted for Nicodemus. How did Jesus do that? By exercising Nicodemus' faith to see beyond the natural. That's what his conversation is about. The first thing he gets involved with in is trying to get Nicodemus to look beyond natural. Look beyond everything you can touch. Remember, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So he's awakening the faith in Nicodemus. Did you know that the word faith is only mentioned twice in all of the Old Testament? It's more of a New Testament word. (laughs) I can just see it now. The people that will be listening by way of podcast are going to go, pause, and they'll start looking. I'm telling you right now, you'll come across it just two times. They have a different word. It's called believe. And it's very, very similar. The Bible says Abraham believed God. In other words, Abraham put his faith in God. Abraham trusted God. But that word faith is more of a New Testament word. And this is what Jesus is doing with Nicodemus. He's trying to get his eyes off of the natural, friends, because when we look only at the natural, it's a faith killer. Come on, am I talking to you guys? You know what I'm saying? Let's go back to what I said a minute ago. When you just listen to your body, it's a faith killer. You've got to look beyond your issues of life. You've got to look beyond and look out there where hope's at. And that's what Jesus is really so skillfully doing here. When he says the words, The wind blows where it pleases. Do you see what he just did? He reached out there and grabbed something you couldn't see. Let me talk to you about something, Nicodemus. You're going to have to exercise faith to follow me on this one here. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Again, another invisible. He's drawing pictures in Nicodemus's heart to get him off of looking at substance and exercising the god-given faith and hope and love that god has put into our hearts jesus was basically saying you can't see the wind nicodemus you can't see the spirit i want to challenge you to go beyond that what you can see or you will never have hope You'll never possess a confident expectation of good. That's what biblical hope is. And without faith and hope, you will never accept my love for you. You won't trust my love. Now, does the scripture make sense when it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the words of Christ. The words of Christ. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, truly, truly, verily, verily, however you want to say it. You look, they didn't have exclamation points like we do today so that you would get what he's saying. So they had to say things twice. And that would draw your attention that this is very important. Jesus said, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When Jesus said, truly, truly, I say unto you, no man can understand the kingdom of God unless he's born again, he was saying this. The word see means understand. You know, we use those words interchangeably. We go, oh, I see. Oh, I understand. And when you look that up in the Greek concordance, you'll find that word understand. The word see means understand. The word born means created. I don't think That needs an explanation. But the word, again, is a little bit more tricky because when you look that up in the Greek concordance, it literally means from above. So Jesus was literally saying, truly, truly, I say unto you, no man can understand the kingdom of God unless he is created from above. Well, that explains Nicodemus' response, doesn't it? (laughs) When he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus didn't understand the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the kingdom that works by faith, hope, and love, the fruit of the gospel. Nicodemus couldn't see because he was trying to understand a heavenly kingdom with an earthly mindset. Nicodemus' biggest problem was that he was attempting to create something from below rather than from above. And we get caught in that same trap, friends, that we are always trying to concoct, we are always trying to create, we're trying to conjure up something. Not understanding, sometimes we've lost touch with this. this is a kingdom that operates by grace and faith and hope and love. Nicodemus wanted his own behavior and obedience to serve as the transformer of his own life. If I just do this enough, I will transform. Now you'll transform it, all right, you'll transform into some sort of generic robot. That's about it. But he wanted his own obedience. He wanted his own checklist, if you will to serve as a transformer of his own life, not realizing that God has already given us everything that we need in life that pertains to life and godliness. Nicodemus could not grasp the reality of now, faith. Nothing moved that quickly back then. Now, faith. Faith is now. Now, we got to quit pushing things out into the future. Now! Friends, you've got so much faith and hope and love on the inside of you. Marty, you're dangerous. You've got so much inside of you. Of course, we've all known that, right? Marty's a woman of faith and hope and love. So Nicodemus couldn't grasp this concept, this reality of now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Like I said, he just kept, looking at the natural things instead he kept trying to make the doctrine the only doctrine he knew which was the mosaic law fit into his own religious crossword puzzle but he was quickly coming to the realization that he was frustrated and it wasn't working how many of you know that if you do a crossword puzzle with a permanent marker you'll regret it in the end nobody does a crossword puzzle with a permanent marker you need an eraser. You know why? Because you're going to get some things wrong in life. You're going to think you know the answer to that question just because it fits in all the little boxes right there. And because one or two of the letters were the same, but you'll find out deeper as you get into it. That wasn't the right answer. Many believers sit under teachings that leech the very faith and hope and love right out of them. They've gotten used to living by feelings and emotions, smoke signals, if you will, and pity parties. And I believe that's part of the Christian conundrum, if you will. You see, man does not want to erase what he's already learned. It's too painful. <laughs> it's just too painful. Too much work. He doesn't want to learn how to walk again. He doesn't want to learn how to talk again. He doesn't want to learn how to sing again. He doesn't want to learn how to preach and teach again. He doesn't want to learn how to pray again. And part of that resistance is fear, fear of failure. And part of that resistance is because our spiritual environment is holding us back. In other words, we might not be accepted if we radically change our viewpoints on how we were originally taught. Now, friends, let me tell you something. That is the reason we planted Triumphant Grace Ministries. You see, Valerie and I reached the place where we didn't fit in With the doctrine of the church we were attending. We could see that our spiritual environment was holding us back. We were nine months pregnant with grace and truth, and we couldn't hide it any longer. We had come to the revelation that every time we blow it, every time we sin, that we don't have to throw pity parties. And that does not fit in, friends, with the mainline doctrine of most churches, mainline denominations, if you will. Like Nicodemus, we were probably one night away from an elder coming to visit us and say, could I talk to you for a second? Friends, I've had people do that to me over the years. They've come up to me. You've heard my story. Mark, you're always talking about the love of God. You're talking about the grace of God. There's other things to talk about. And of course, I would say, like what? I'm open for suggestions. Like what? To only hear, well, I don't know. And then I would just say, well, neither do I. When you find out what it is, let me know though, okay? See, because no matter if we're talking about healing, we're talking about managing our finances, it doesn't matter, it's faith, hope, and love, friends. The whole kingdom operates by grace through faith, hope, and love. Friends, Jesus' blood and this gospel of grace comes with an eraser. It does. It erases our past. It erases all of our sins. Through what? Through his body on the cross. As a result, we bear these sins no more. We don't have sins. We bear them no more. Jesus has taken away our sins. His blood has served as like a permanent marker, a permanent ink, if you will. And he has indelibly inscribed our hearts with righteousness. He's written his name right on your heart. His sacrifice on the tree erased all of our sins and ushered in faith, hope, and love, the fruit of the gospel. I want to remind us today, it's the vine that creates the fruit. The fruit does not create the vine. Does that make sense? The fruit does not labor to grow. It gets all of its resources from the vine. Everything it needs comes from the vine. Whatever it is destined to become, the vine will supply. Whatever you are destined to become, the vine will supply. The fruit of the vine and the gospel is faith, hope, and love, all created by the true vine, and that true vine is Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus has just told Nicodemus that he must be born again, right? He told him, you got to be born again, Nicodemus. What was Jesus doing? He was challenging, again, Nicodemus to look beyond the natural. Nicodemus, exercise. It's exercise time, Nicodemus. It's time to exercise your faith. It's time to exercise your hope. I want you to peer into a realm that will never disappoint you, Nicodemus. Oh, your own Pharisee buddies will disappoint you. The Sanhedrin is always a disappointment to you. The scribes might disappoint you. Uh, All the Gentiles are a disappointment. Even the Jews, they're all disappointments to you. But I want you to look into a realm, Nicodemus. You can't look with your physical eyes. You've got to have born again eyes to be able to look in this realm. But I want you to look into this realm, a realm that will never disappoint you. There's no disappointment here, Nicodemus. And what was Nicodemus' response? I shared it a second ago. Nicodemus says this. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? See, he's still thinking in the natural, isn't he? He really is. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asks. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And it's like Jesus, when Nicodemus said that, it was like he had that same quizzical look on his face like, Nicodemus! Nicodemus! I'm trying to wake up faith in your heart and hope in your heart, and love in your heart. I'm working my way toward the love. We're going to hide that for just a moment. Let's deal with faith and hope here for just a second. I'm trying to wake these things up in your heart, Nicodemus. Then you got to come out with how can a man be born when he is old? How can he get back into his mother's womb a second time and be born? Now, who is that crazy to say something like that? And Nicodemus was serious. I think he really was. So Jesus patiently looks at him. Here he goes again. Truly, truly, verily, verily, let's say it twice. Truly, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. Then he says, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you can't get these eyes anywhere else. You can't get this faith, hope, and love anywhere else. But if you'll come to me, Nicodemus, and you'll surrender to me, Nicodemus, if you'll come, Nicodemus, I'll give you all of this. But you've got to come. You must be born again. In other words, Jesus was saying you must be created from above. Remember, born again means created from above. He says you must be created from above. Jesus was not being critical with Nicodemus. He just kept rolling the primer of grace and truth over Nicodemus' sin-stained, unregenerate heart. And then Jesus says these words. Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. Here he is back talking about something you can't see again. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus. I love Nicodemus. I really do. Nicodemus says, how can this be? Jesus said, you are Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? And then Jesus said it again, truly, truly. That's like Mark James. Okay. That's like mom getting your middle name in there, right? You're really trying to draw their attention. Come on. You guys do that when your kids were growing up, get their middle names in there. You had their attention when you did that, right? And Jesus is skillfully doing that too when he's saying truly, truly. He says, truly, truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Jesus said, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. This is the conversation he's having with Nicodemus. And then finally he unleashes John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's a lot to take in one night in one setting, isn't it? Jesus is just doing this so beautifully. So the question becomes, how do we know that faith, hope, and love awakened in the heart of Nicodemus that night? Remember what I said earlier? I said that trying to hide faith, hope, and love was like trying to hide a nine-month pregnancy at the beach. The most prominent evidence that Nicodemus had been transformed by the gospel that night were his future expressions of faith hope, and love. That's how you begin to see and know that something happened, is you just listen to the words, you watch the actions, and it can be a giveaway. In other words, that which was on the inside of Nicodemus, when Jesus put faith on the inside of him, awakened faith on the inside of him, awakened the hope on the inside of Nicodemus that night, it began to work its way up and out of Nicodemus in his words, in his actions, in his thoughts. We know that faith, hope and love adhered to the walls of Nicodemus's heart because of his future actions. Period. Nicodemus is mentioned only twice more in scripture. He's a marvelous man, but he's only mentioned three times. He's mentioned twice more in scriptures. One is in John chapter 7 when he is defending Jesus, and the third time is in John 19 when Jesus has been crucified and Nicodemus along with Joseph of Arimathea are the two people that have taken his body off of the cross and wrapped him for burial. The scriptures tell us in another place that they will know you are my disciples by your love. And this is a devotion of love to be able to touch what was perceived as a criminal crucified on a cross, but Nicodemus didn't see him that way. I I can only imagine in Nicodemus's heart when they were crucifying him saying, you got the wrong man! He's not like anything you're charging him with. This man is beautiful. I know. I was with him one night. Makes my heart passionate. Faith, hope, and love, the fruit of the gospel, had proven that Jesus' words, maybe on that starlit night, had taken root in Nicodemus' heart. In Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 17, I'm going to read it from the Living Bible. I think it just has an impact there. Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, Dear brothers, the longing of my heart and my prayer is that the Jewish people might be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for the honor of God, but it is misdirected zeal. Remember I said that earlier. He said, I know you got enthusiasm. I know you got passion, but it's misdirected zeal. To say something is misdirected, it literally means it's off course. It means it's pointed in the wrong direction, okay? And here's what he said, for they don't understand that Christ has died to make them right with God. Very important right there. I don't think that needs any explanation in this church. He said, you've got zeal, you've got passion, but you don't understand that Christ has died to make you right with God. When Paul says the Jewish people might be saved, does that mean he didn't care about the Gentiles? No, he cared about the Gentiles as well. Paul realized something that I've come to see too in my years of, as a Christian. Paul realized that it was more challenging for the Jews to be saved, not because God designed it that way, but it was more challenging for the Jews to be saved than the Gentiles. Why? Because the Jewish people had been marinating for centuries in laws and customs, and they were not interested in transformation by faith alone. They were not interested in that. You see, friends, once a man has been indoctrinated, he is typically not interested in changing his foundational beliefs. You guys were resistant too, right? I mean, if there's something that you believe, you're not easily changed. I don't care what it is, you're not easily changed. If you indoctrinate someone, literally what it means is you teach them a one-sided view of something, and then you begin to ignore and dismiss options that don't agree with your view. That's indoctrination. And this is what much of the media and many of the movements uh, that are at loose right now in in the United States and around the world are attempting to do in our country at this time. They want to indoctrinate you with fear, despair, and hate, the very opposites of faith, hope, and love. Now, indoctrination sounds like a bad thing. I think it can be a good thing at times. For example, I have a one sided view of salvation. I believe it's by grace through faith, and I'm not changing that. I have a one sided view of who it is that saves us it's Jesus Christ alone, cornerstone. I have a one sided view of how we become holy it's by Jesus' body on the cross. Why? The scriptures tell us that. So I can work my little fingers to the bone, do all kinds of gymnastics, friends. But I'm telling you, I won't be any holier when the sun sets than I was when it came up. I'm holy because of Jesus and his shed blood on the cross. That is Hebrews 10.10. I don't have the scripture here for you, but I know that's where it's found at. The Apostle Paul continues with these words. Instead, they are trying to make themselves good enough to gain God's favor by keeping the Jewish laws and custom, but that is not God's way of salvation. Boy, I tell you, that stares us right in the face right there, friends. Anybody that thinks they're earning their way to God or earning their way and staying with God, keeping with God, it tells you right there, this is not God's way of salvation. What's God's way? Faith, hope, and love, the fruit of the gospel of grace and peace. That's His way. They don't understand that Christ gives to those who trust in Him everything they are trying to get by keeping His laws. He ends all of that. For Moses wrote that if a person could be perfectly good and hold out against temptation all his life and never sin once, only then could he be pardoned and saved. But the salvation that comes through faith says you don't need to search the heavens to find Christ. Why not? Because he lives here. Why do I need to search the heavens? He lives on the inside of me. You don't need to search the heavens to find Christ to bring him down to help you, and you don't need to go among the dead to bring Christ back to life again. He's alive, friends. He's not dead. He's alive. For salvation that comes from trusting Christ, which is what we preach, is already within easy reach of us, right here, it is as near as our own hearts and mouths. For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe in your own heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Transformation begins with faith. That's what it's talking about here. It all begins by faith. For it is by believing in his heart that a man becomes right with God and with his mouth he tells other of his faith. Confirming his salvation. For the scriptures tell us that no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed. That's what I told you earlier. That's why Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to look into a realm where disappointment doesn't exist. Zero disappointment. Nicodemus, close your eyes for a second. Quit going by these natural things. Continuing, it says, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They all have the same Lord who generously gives his riches to all those who ask him for them. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, but how shall they ask him to save unless they believe in him? That word believe literally means you put your faith in, it means to trust in. How will they be saved unless they believe in him? And how can they believe, there's that word again, is faith in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? Do you see the chain, friends? Do you see how it's working here? But it's all by faith. That is what the scriptures are talking about when they say, I love this. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel? Not a gospel, the gospel. The gospel that has the finished work attached to it. That's the gospel. He said, "'How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace with God and bring glad tidings of good things.'" In other words, how welcome are those who come preaching God's good news? Remember that good news we were talking about in the beginning that you guys said you all wanted? Man, he says, in other words, how welcome are those who come preaching this good news? But not everyone who hears the good news has welcomed it. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed me when I told them? Who has put faith out there when I told them? Yet faith comes from listening to this good news, the good news about Christ. This is a paraphrase of saying, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. He said, this is how faith is stirred. Friends, if you want faith stirred, awakened in your heart, you want hope awakened in your heart, you want the love for humanity and God awakened in your heart. He says it comes through the word. It comes by listening to the words, not just any word, but the word of Christ, the finished work of Christ. This is how it happens. Faith cometh by hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, did you know that a person can have faith without hope? But it's impossible to have hope without faith. You see, people from the poorest nations on earth have faith that a place exists that has better living conditions than what they're living in at that moment, but they have zero hope that they'll ever be able to go there. So you can have faith, but no hope. But you can't have hope without faith. Immature faith, is not sufficient for hope. Hope is faith in its future tense. Therefore, does your faith go beyond that which you can see? Mature faith gives birth to hope and faith and hope lead us to the revelation of the father's love for us. It's faith, hope and love. That's the fruit of the gospel. I love these scriptures in Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. I love these scriptures, friends. Therefore, Since we have been justified by faith, justified means we've been declared innocent, okay? We have been justified by faith. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access, how again? By faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And then look what it says. And hope does not put us to shame. In other words, hope will never disappoint you, one version says. Hope is not out to disappoint you, and hope will not disappoint you. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. Do you see encapsulated in those five verses, faith, hope, and love? I do. I see the connection. I see the family that they're in. That everything, yes, that we have today is because the Father loved us. Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And then he made a way by grace that we could access him. And then on our part, he said, I'm going to measure the measure of faith in you so that you can apprehend this grace when it knocks on your door. Maybe to be late at night like it was for me. I was like a Nicodemus coming to Jesus. It was about midnight for me. Five minutes after 12, to be honest with you. I was like Nicodemus coming to Jesus. So if I didn't have any questions. I just said, Jesus saved me. And I know he did that that night. Jesus was walking along in Jerusalem one day, and he happened to come by the pool of Bethesda. And there he saw a man that had been in his invalid condition for 38 years. That's a long time to be in a condition like that. Let's look at these scriptures. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him a question. (laughs) Isn't this a silly question? It seems silly, doesn't it? When it says, do you want to get well? Friends, can you imagine going to a nursing home, bed by bed, and going, would you like to get out of here? Would you like to be well? And then having somebody go, no, not really. I think I'm fine here. No, if you're in your right mind, you're going to say, yes, I want to get out of here. But see, hidden behind that word want is a different Greek word that brings clarity, what Jesus is saying. The word behind that want is choose. Do you choose to be well? In other words, I'm not going to wave a magic wand over you if you're not in this thing. Do you choose to be well? In other words, you're going to have to exercise some faith here, friend. Do you choose to be well is what he's saying. You see, friends, faith, hope, and love is a beautiful thing. Hope is faith in its future tense. Therefore, hope begins with faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. Faith begins by listening to Christ, his words. And then it reaches out into our future and apprehends hope. It's now faith. It's now hope. This man had been disappointed on so many occasions that he was literally bankrupt in faith, hope, and love, the fruit of the gospel. Listen to his response after Jesus asked him, do you choose to get well? Here's what he said. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. (laughs) I'm waiting on an angel. You've got to get beyond your religious mindset. Christ is standing in front of you. I have no one to help me. When the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. That's a pity party, friends. That is a pity party. It may be a reality, but it's a pity party. This man had RSVP'd (laughs) to the invitation of the pity party. Unfortunately, it's a party that's missing the triplets of faith, hope, and love. They weren't invited. His faith is as dead as an oar nail. And remember, without faith, you cannot have hope. But love is standing right in front of him in the person of Christ. There's love. Jesus saith unto him, look at these words, rise, take up thy bed and walk. That word walk literally means live. It doesn't just mean let's just go for a little walk. It means take up your bed and let's live life now. Walk in me. So Jesus says to him, rise, in the King James Version, take up thy bed. The word rise means to awaken from sleep. It means to awaken from disease. It means to awaken from death. It means to awaken from inactivity and ruins. Jesus is saying, rise from that stuff. Rise. Jesus was essentially saying, sir, I don't even know your name, but it's time to wake up faith, hope, and love. It's time to wake up the fruit of the gospel." How does that happen, you ask? Friends, let me tell you something. There are no substitutes for hearing the words of Christ. No substitutes for that. Sometimes it comes in a gentle voice and just his presence. There's no substitutes for that. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith apprehends hope. And love binds them all together in perfect unity. As it is with triplets, they are most satisfied when they're together. Come on they are. We possess all the faith, hope, and love that we'll ever need, yet the enemy of our soul tries to discourage us by drawing our attention away from God's promises. This is a thing he loves to do. You've got a promise down in your heart about God, and then he draws that promise away from you by bringing in lack, bringing in an issue of life, and you've not exercised now faith. Look at what the missionary Hudson Taylor said when he wrote his wife from another country. This is what he said. He said, we have 25 cents in all the promises of God. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? He said, honey, I'm writing to tell you, we ain't got any money. And we're missionaries, we need money. I don't hear him complaining though, do you? Maybe she's the bookkeeper. And he just needs to check in and let her know we've spent it down to 25 cents. That's all we got left. I know a quarter went a lot longer uh, distance back then, but it didn't go very far, friends. We've got 25 cents and all the promises of God. What faith is that? What hope is that? Where do you get such faith? Where do you get such hope? Remember, I said those are the entries into his love. When you fall in love with Christ, when all this condemnation has been taken away, this guilt, this shame, this torment, this fear, when all of that has been taken away, then you can be at rest to fall in love with the master, fall in love with Christ. And when you fall in love with Christ, you fall in love with his promises. The Bible says all of his promises are yes and amen. All of his promises are true. We fall in love with him. Why? Because we know he'll never disappoint us. He's in a realm where there is no disappointment, there is no chaos, there is no darkness, there is no brokenness. Friends, you are richer than you know. My final scriptures, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 12, and then chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, let me ask you a question. How did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? By grace through faith. It doesn't stop working this way. He said exactly the way you received Christ. Look at that. So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, he said, I want you to continue to live that way understanding it's all by my grace through faith and hope and love he said i want you to live that way i want you to continue that way see sometimes we get too big for our britches we get saved and we think now it's all about us and we lose sight of it's by grace through faith and we wonder why we're frustrated we wonder why nothing's working out we wonder why we got to go see jesus at nighttime, (laughs) friends he says So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. Do you see it again? Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This is what it does to you. It makes you thankful. When you live by faith, it makes you thankful because you're not disappointing you. You can just say, look, Father, I'm living by faith. I don't see the manifestation just yet. It hasn't showed up just yet, but I'm still thankful because I'm living by faith. I'm fine, Daddy. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends. Look, this is very important. Which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Look at those last words. It says rather than on Christ. Anything that depends on anything rather than Christ. That's your first mistake, right? That's the first mistake right there. He said, but there's going to come along some philosophies, if you will. They're deceptive, he said, because they depend on human tradition. This is laws and customs and even trying to obey the commandments in order to be right. He said, those things are going to come knocking on your door at midnight some night. Maybe it will be through a dear friend who wants to come in and compare their uh, revelation of how they see Christ with yours, and they'll come knocking on your door. You're to be compassionate with them and kind to them and everything, but it says right here, it says, don't let them take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Next scriptures. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Isn't that beautiful? You've been brought to fullness. Why do you want to keep chasing your tail? You're brought to fullness in Christ. We have everything we need in Christ. You've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Friends, look. One thing I can tell you about circumcision is once it's done, you can never reverse it. And the Bible says we've been circumcised in Christ. It can never be reversed. I love that about him. Never be reversed. You were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism. I can identify with his burial. I've been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through, look at that again, your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. My last scripture's here therefore don't you love a therefore you know what a therefore means it means for that reason it points backwards it says therefore it makes no sense by itself for all the reasons i just covered there it says therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. How did he forgive you? By grace through faith. Friends, make it about that. Forgive someone based on a gracious act by faith. And over all these virtues, look at this, friends, put on love. All these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Friends, you can argue with me until the cows come home, but I am thoroughly convinced that faith, hope, and love, the fruit of the gospel, is the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Friends, the wonderful truths that reach out to us from the message today are these. Faith, hope, and love are the fruit of the gospel of grace and peace. When these virtues are expressed, They release transforming power. Power that supplies everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Power that helps us to live a victorious life. Faith, hope, and love empower us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And it declines the invitation to the pity party of self loathing and condemnation. That's what it does. Friends, we have been saved by grace through faith, we are justified by His shed blood on the cross. I'm talking about now faith, the faith that is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, faith that is counted for righteousness. I'm talking about the faith and hope that introduces us to daddy's love, the faith that embraces the truth that a man is declared innocent apart from keeping the Jewish laws and customs, faith that reaches out and holds the hand of hope. I'm talking about faith that cometh by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. Friends, enthusiasm and passion will only take you so far in life. But faith, hope, and love, and grace, and mercy will carry you across the finish line. You and I have been impregnated with grace and truth, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. We shouldn't resist change. We shouldn't allow our spiritual environments to hold us back. We must never walk in fear, but in faith, hope, and love. Hear the voice of the Scriptures again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Forgive exactly the same way the Lord forgave you, by grace through faith. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Friends, faith, hope, and love, the fruit of the gospel, are bound together in perfect unity by grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I want to thank you so much that you made it so simple, so simple. Sometimes I think we just really overcomplicate it. We keep trying to use all our natural senses, our eyes, our ears, our touch, in order to figure things out. And Father, I want to thank you that you've made a way by grace through faith. The scriptures say, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've also gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And so, thank you for that, Father. We praise you that you have a way of awakening the faith, maybe the faith that's been dormant for some time inside of our hearts. Maybe there are people that will be under the sound of my voice that have lost touch with hope. Remember, it's impossible to have hope without faith. And so, Father, I thank you that the greatest lesson we can learn is that we need the scriptures. We need the gospel of grace. We need the words of Christ dripping into our heart because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. It increases, it awakens faith inside of our heart so that faith can set its eyes on hope. And with the two of them, they can run to love. And daddy, it's when we sit in the lap of love, It's when we sit in the lap of love and we put our arms around such love that we are transformed. That's why the scriptures would say faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Father, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.